University of Maryland Global Campus was established to bring a respected state university education to working adults at home and abroad. 70 years ago, we sent professors overseas to educate service members and their families on military installations and on the front lines. Today, we're online because that's where working adults need us. That's where you need us. We'll support your commitment to being a successful student with services that fit your lifestyle. And we offer more than 90 programs and specializations for where you are and where you want to be. University of Maryland University College is now University of Maryland Global Campus. We go the distance because times have changed, but what we're made for hasn't. UMGC offers online support for veterans, including resources at the Veterans Resource Center, no-cost digital materials replacing most textbooks, virtual advising, transfer credits, and lifetime career services. Speak to our dedicated military and veterans advisors who can help you find the right degree for your career path. Visit umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by Chev. Hi, this is Jay Billis of ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. And the ML Sports Platter is back with you all over the major platforms. Spotify and Google, Apple, Stitcher, Deezer. You know what to do. Find that purple podcast button, for example, on your Apple phone. Tap it, hit search, type in ML Sports Platter, and hit subscribe. And you'll get new and archived episodes of the show delivered right to your smartphone device. We are brought to you by our great friends at Stanley Law Offices, Bryant and Stratton College, Prestwick Golf, and Brian Conboy of Mass Mutual New York State Tax Efficient Retirement Planning today with Brian Conboy. Make sure you visit him online at advisors.massmutual.com. I'm telling you, get your financial future in order today with Brian. He opened our eyes to a bunch of new things. We're super pumped up to be with Brian. Go see him, advisors.massmutual.com. Schedule that first meeting, pick his brain, see what he can offer you. And of course, he's on Facebook and Instagram as well. Brian Conboy is the official financial advisor of the ML sports platter. So this is going to be a, a, a kind of a, a fun, unique show. Um, I'm going to do kind of a two-topic deal um, here. Uh, at the back end of this episode, uh, you're going to hear a little crossover uh, from my Bills Brawl podcast, uh, where I uh, break down <clears throat> you know, and evaluate uh, the 2021 Buffalo Bills schedule. Uh, we'll do a little crossover there. Uh, and before I do that, though, I want to focus heavily on the state of the Toronto Maple Leafs because the Maple Leafs are truly, right now, one of the great organizations historically in sports, yet they are so not relevant, if that makes sense, right? They remind me of the Chicago Bears, historically old NFL team, George Hallis and company, okay, but what have you done for me lately? They haven't done anything. They haven't won a Super Bowl in 33 years or so, right, going back to 1986. Uh, uh, the Dallas Cowboys, historically amazing franchise, of course, tons of Super Bowl wins, etc., but really haven't done anything since 1993. By my math, that's 26 years ago or so, 26, 27 years ago. Um, in a way, they're they're like the New York Yankees, right? Ridiculously great history, although the Yankees have knocked on the door at least deep into the postseason the last couple of years, but they don't have a World Series appearance or a World Series win to show for it. You know, kind of the same deal with Toronto. Toronto hasn't won a playoff series really since 2004. They haven't won a Stanley Cup since 67. And if you remember back in 
you know, 93. They were in the West Finals. Really, really good team. That was a Doug Gilmore-led team. I think Felix Potman was on that team. They've had really good players. They lost to Wayne Gretzky and the LA Kings, who ended up losing to Patrick Watt and the Montreal Canadiens. That was the last time Toronto was really, really deep into the postseason. This franchise right now, I mean, they had a pretty good regular season. They played, you know, in that North division, which, again, it's the Canadian division as far as I'm concerned, you know, against the Winnipeg Jets and the Canadians and, and Edmonton and Vancouver, et cetera, Calgary. Uh, it was the North division. It was a Canadian division, in, in my opinion. But what do the Maple Leafs do, right? Like, where do they go from here? And for me, it's really simple. When I watch the Toronto Maple Leafs, I don't see a team that's built for the playoffs. When you watch Stanley Cup champions, recent years, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Tampa, sure, sure, they've got the, the, the superstar players, the better players, the better players are better than yours, right? Goaltending, they're better on special teams. They have <clears throat> those three things, but the fourth thing that you need in order to make sustained runs in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You got to have depth. And, you know, depth slash balance. And the Maple Leafs just don't have that. Like, even the Chicago Blackhawks, they had, like, great third and fourth lines after Taves, after Kane, right? You know, they had balance with defense and goaltending and scoring, right? They could kill penalties and be good on special teams. Depth and balance helps those things out. Those are the ingredients you need in the postseason. I also think the Maple Leafs goaltending is pretty shaky, but they don't have a lot of going on on defense. They don't have a lot of offensive depth either. You know, you look at the Bruins. The Bruins kill you with four lines. Yes, every time it seems as though, you know, you, you flip on the television, you watch a, a game with Boston, <clears throat> Bergeron, Marchand, Pas, Pasternak, they're scoring all the time, all the time. But they also have a ton of other guys who can kill you. And it goes all the way to the fourth line. And, you know, Tampa, a team that was knocking on the Stanley Cup door, right? Over and over and over again. Big time superstar players coming up through the minor leagues. I know I saw a lot of them with the Syracuse Crunch. Braden Point, Palat and company. You have Sorelli. You've got Tyler Johnson. You know, we know they're led by Kucherov. They've got the veteran Stamkos, who's probably a Hall of Famer. You've got Victor Hedman, the best defenseman in the NHL. You've got Vasilevsky between the pipes. You got all those every all that all those pieces. Matthew Joseph, right? You're young, you're good, you're flashy, you're great on special teams. <clears throat> You've got the guys cleaning up and winning the awards, right? You're getting Kucherov, Hedman, Vasilevsky, right? That's the best at their positions, arguably. Guess what? Tampa didn't win until they got dirty, right? Until they got gritty. Until they went out and got Patty Maroon. Until they went out and got Coleman. Until they went out and got these guys to get in there and get in the trenches, get in front of the net, get dirty, and 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 get rolling. And, you know, frankly, Toronto needs some of that. You know, this team has a, a just a really a wealth of outstanding talent. There's There's no disputing that. I mean, everybody knows... How good 
these guys these guys are. Everybody knows how good Austin Matthews is. Austin Matthews, in my opinion, is probably a top you know five to eight player in the NHL. I mean, the guys I have over him are probably only McDavid, in in no particular order, but like McDavid, <clears throat> Drysidel. Nathan McKinnon for sure. I Pasternak, I would actually put ahead of him too. But man, from there, you, you could argue him against pretty much everybody, right? Like those are the only real, I mean, Kucherov, I'd probably put right there as well. <clears throat> but like Matthews has put it this way, he's, he's a slam dunk top 10. Mitch Marner is probably a top slam dunk top 15, no more than 20 on this team. And you've got Johnny Tavares as well, who you gave a huge contract to. You got thirty-seven, I think, and a half million dollars. Is that about the number, right? Annually locked into those three guys. And by the way, this year <clears throat> they did bring in a veteran, Joe Thornton, and I understand that the forty-one-year-old was great for that team this year. I thought that was an awesome move, and you could clearly see that the guys, you know, reacted to him. But it, that's not enough. Welcome to Parent Teacher Night. Oh yes, Miss Garner. If you have one of those airline credit cards, you're probably not earning double miles on every purchase. You're right. My card only gets extra miles on some types of purchases. With the Capital One Venture Card, you earn unlimited double miles everywhere. Wait, but where can we use them? You can use Capital One Venture Miles on any travel purchase. Venture gets an A+. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Everybody needs just the right amount of fuel to get going in the morning. For some, a nice McDonald's egg and cheese bagel is just enough to do it. Others might prefer a McDonald's bacon egg and cheese bagel. Or perhaps a sausage egg and cheese bagel. And there are those where nothing will do but a hearty McDonald's steak egg and cheese bagel. Four different breakfast bagels to get you going. Tomorrow morning, give your engine a head start at participating McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Lowe's Provember event is happening now through November 24th. It's the perfect time to shop GE appliances for all your properties, like the GE side-by-side refrigerator and the GE dishwasher with active flood protect. Durable and reliable, you can always count on GE to deliver the long-lasting performance you're looking for. Available today, shop the full line of GE appliances online or in-store during Lowe's Provember event, now through November 24th. Lowe's, the new home for pros, U.S. only. And they got a real unbelievable year of Jason Spezza. He went back in the time machine to his Ottawa days and literally just had an unbelievable career renaissance. I mean, at, at, at age 37. I mean, he was, you know, he was spectacular. He really was. Um, and that was probably unexpected, you know. I mean, Spezza at times this year, he looked like that 90-point Spezza. You know, remember those years, 2005, 6-ish, right, 7, 8? He, 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 was, he looks really, really good this year, really good. But here's the thing. How many centermen, how many centermen can you, can you have? How many of the same player can you have? How many star forwards who score, 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 don't do a ton else, how many can you have? You know, it's like I've been saying a million ways this Sunday about the New York Yankees. Too much reliance on the home run and too much reliance from the right side. Voigt, Judge, Stanton, Torres, Frazier, right? They're all hitting from the right side. They're all right-handed hitters. They're all, for the most part, mashing for power, for the most part. 
because they've also enhanced the launch angle and gotten the analytics going, and they're just they're built too much from the right-handed side with power. Toronto Maple Leafs, I mean, listen, you have to be built up the middle, especially in hockey. You've got to have that two-way defenseman. You've got to have those centermen. You've got to have that goaltending. But when you've already got a bunch of centermen, like, and you don't have a lot of defense, and you've got a shortage of left wingers, and you really could use somebody on the right side to score. And I, you know, Wayne Simmons, I thought was going to be a nice veteran addition to, and he kind of was. You know, and he's he's kind of gritty too. So, in a way, like the Maple Leafs brought in probably a couple of guys who thought, yeah, you know, maybe Joe Thornton, veteran Jason Spezza, can he find it again? Which he did. So they, I mean, they hit it. They hit that one. Simmons. Eh. You know, wasn't quite his flyer. You know, wasn't quite his the player he was with the Flyers that production, right? Uh, even when Nashville had picked him up there, just that gritty guy. I mean, he, he fell on his face in Buffalo. I mean, who hasn't? Uh, you know, was was pretty good for the Devils in nineteen twenty. I mean, he really was. Uh, you know, Toronto picks him up and, you know, he had only nine points. He was a minus three on the season. You know, he didn't really get into a ton. He only played 38 games. You know, I think he had some injury issues, so they kind of missed on him. I, I think that they maybe attempted to go get some grit and some of this, you know, these tough guys that I'm talking about, but, you know, not enough. And the goaltending just, Frederick Anderson ain't cutting it. I mean, these guys just aren't, Hutchinson ain't cutting it. Campbell's not cutting it. You know, the guys in the minor leagues aren't cutting it. Guys who they call up aren't cutting it. You know, there's not. And so I think this upcoming season, I think the Maple Leafs need to seriously consider trading if, I mean, they got to they gotta find a dance partner. They got to find a trade partner. You got to trade one of these three guys. Austin Matthews, John Tavares, and, and Mitch Marner. Now, the easy answer is trade Tavares because Matthews and Marner are better players, right? I think they are. Maybe it doesn't work like that. Maybe your trade partner has a want or a need or both. They can also afford it, and there's more value for a certain guy. Like, can Toronto get way, way more? I mean, I wouldn't trade Austin Matthews for anything, trust me. Unless I'm getting McKinnon or, or Connor McDavid back. I, I, or Pasternak, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't trade Austin Matthews for Jack Eichel. I wouldn't trade him for a ton of players in the NHL. I really wouldn't. But he's just like Mitch Mar. I mean, the only difference between him and Marner and him and and well, well, him and Marner is that you know it's Matthews is a lefty, Marner is a righty, Tavares is a lefty. Matthews and Tavares are both lefties. Uh, Marner's a right-handed shot as centerman. Does that matter? Do you trade one guy who's a lefty? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, from I guess it depends on how you build and, and keep the power play going and who you build on the wings and who you get for defensemen and all that. I, I don't know <clears throat> what the makeup of that is. I don't know if it matters as much in hockey if you have centermen who shoot from the same side more often than not. I, I don't know. But if they take that into consideration, you would trade Tavares or Austin Matthews. I think you got to get rid of one of these three guys. The only way I trade Austin Matthews <clears throat> is if, let's say, uh, uh, Edmund, and again, Edmonton needs a lot of what I'm talking about with Toronto as well. But let's say, or even a Colorado, right? In Colorado, let's say, I think they're going to make a deep run in, in this playoff. They could lose to Vegas. Um, but 
Colorado's going to be around for a long time. They got Nathan McKinnon, they got uh, uh, Landis Gong, they've got Rantanen, they've got solid goaltending, it seems to be, with Grubauer and company. They got Cal McCarr, a franchise defenseman. They're going to be around for a long time. What happens if Colorado, and I don't know their cap situation, but Colorado adds to what they've already got, right? Like almost like a Vegas situation. You go to the Stanley Cup final and they keep adding and they're just continuing the locomotive. Would Colorado make a play for an Austin Matthews? If Austin Matthews gets acquired, who do you get back if you're Toronto? Better be a Hall, right? It better be like, I mean, maybe it's Cal McCarr, right? Like, and they're not going to trade Cal McCarr, but you get where I'm going with this. You got to trade one of these guys to a team, and you got to get big time assets back. You got to get ready made guys who are outstanding defensively. You you need to get a couple of grit guys. You got to replace some of the guys you brought in who didn't work out. Uh, it's going to be interesting about Jason Spezza moving forward. You know, did you already reach a ceiling with him? What do you do with him next? But to me, this starts and ends with the forwards: Matthews, Tavares, and Marner. I don't think you trade Marner at all. I think Marner's really, really awesome. Matthews or Tavares, I think you trade, but it's all based on the value you get back. How much are you going to get back for one of those guys? And can your dance partner, can your trade partner pick up all the money, right, and and make it work? Can you trade one of these guys, you know, to, to a team and get, you know, two defensemen, maybe a... a a left winger or a right winger by trading a Tavares, it then frees up money to go get a goaltender. You know, maybe you go make a play for someone in the offseason there. You have to make a play for a goalie. You got to get better defensively. You need another left winger who's going to actually produce. You need a right winger who probably is going to produce as well. And by the way, they don't have a lot of depth at right wing. I mean, the Maple Leaf roster has four right wingers. Right, and these guys just aren't cutting it. Wayne Simmons included, and he's not a scorer. You know, on the power play, it's kind of like if they get a goal from one of those three guys, great. If they don't, they don't score. These left wingers aren't cutting it either. Robertson, Hyman, Felino. I mean, these guys, Rich Clune. I mean, these guys just—they're not cutting it. So I would, I would trade one of those three guys. I wouldn't trade Mitch Marner. Austin Matthews is as untouchable a player in the NHL. I mean, 23 years old, MVP candidate, size, speed, skill, unbelievable prototype athlete in today's NHL. He's as close to untradeable, but again, because of the way your team is made up, I would look at trading him depending on the value back. The only way I trade Austin Matthews is depending on if I can get that gold package. Same thing goes for Johnny Tavares. If I can get the gold pack, well, not quite. I would trade Tavares before I'd trade the other two guys. But if you get a gold package for Matthews, which you can't get from for Tavares, you might have to move him and build your team with more depth, more more grit, and all the rest to make a Stanley Cup playoff run. The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by Liverpool Physical Therapy, Ken's Auto Detailing, CNY Electrical, and our great friends at Rosie's Corner. If you're in and around Central New York, head on over to Rosie's for Fish Friday. Pizza wing combinations are available. Gift cards available for Dad as well at Rosie's Corner, a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. You can get that mac and cheese, coleslaw, or french fries with a fish entree or the sandwich style for lunch or dinner. And oh, by the way, they do have mac and cheese on Thursdays as well. Pepsi products in the cooler, salads, desserts to go, and more. Go get to Rosie's Corner right off the Bartell Road exit in Brewerton, right in front of the Brewerton Bridge. Rosie's Corner is a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. 
All right, here you go. A little crossover podcast from my Bills Brawl. I do that here and there. It, you know, if you miss one, you can catch it on the other side. I uh, do want to talk a little bit of Buffalo Bills inside the ML Sports Platter still, despite hosting Bills Brawl. But I had a chance a few days ago to really dive in myself, guest-free, on the schedule. What I like, what I don't like, the primetime games, the bye week, uh, the opponents, uh, all of it in 2021. The Buffalo Bills 2021 schedule in full, a full breakdown of it. Here that is on the episode of the Bills Brawl. You're listening to a Brawl Network production. This is a podcast for the best fans in the NFL. Are you in the mafia? Am I in the what? It's time for a Bills Brawl podcast. Second down and seven. Kelly with the tie. Touchdown. Bill Brawl. Allen. Deep shot. And Thurman breaking tackles at the 22, inside the 10, touchdown Buffalo. Indeed, another episode of the Bills Brawl, all a part of the Brawl Network. Get us on Twitter, at Bills Brawl, at Network Brawl, and my handle as well, at Mike L Sports. This episode for Bills Mafia, it's going to be my full breakdown of the 2021 uh, schedule and some other news and notes uh, in and around the team. Uh, had Mike Catalan on last week, a terrific Rochester Buffalo Bills uh, TV man, longtime insider and a reporter. Uh, covering the Bills to, to talk about the schedule. I've given a few thoughts here and there, but really wanted to dive in, um, you know, to the schedule in in full, kind of give my my overall thoughts here. And I think, um, I think when you look at the schedule right right out of the shoot, um, you know, it, it it's it's easier than last week, uh, last year's. It's not it's not easy week to week, right? But it is certainly um, easier than last year's. I don't think there's any doubt uh, about that. Um, the Bills quickly get through a few preseason games. They're at Detroit, at Chicago, and then Green Bay uh, at home. Um, and then we have a situation where I think it's quite possibly, you know, the most perfect home opener that you could imagine. I mean, Pittsburgh is a team that the bills, um, I think the cities are incredibly close, not just in geography, but as far as fan bases, that blue collar feel, the difference of course is Pittsburgh's won a ton more titles. Um, but you know, Pittsburgh's looking to come back a little bit here, you know, this year, that's a tough division. How much gas is left in the Ben Roethlisberger tank? Uh, there will be a lot of Steeler fans in the building from the steel city and everywhere. I mean, Pittsburgh, the Steelers are a national brand. Um, they're a huge franchise in this league and it's just a few hours away from Buffalo. I cannot imagine that opening game with the fans being back, how loud it is going to be. Bill's mafia back coming off of last year's great season. One went away from the super bowl. Uh, I, I think this is going to be just a terrific, terrific game, and I, I think it's a perfect home opener. You know, there's a lot of chatter for the Bills, you know, open up on Thursday night, kick off the year with the Bucks, and all this other stuff. And listen, I know a lot of you people out there are big primetime fans. 
I like to see the Bills once in a while on Thursday night football, on Sunday night football, on Monday night football, uh, on, you know, a Saturday primetime game when the games are, uh, you know, it's late in the year, uh, a 425 or a night game on a Saturday. Yeah, sometimes I do because I like the national exposure. I like when they talk about Buffalo. I like, um, you know, highlighting, and especially when you're good, uh, you know, you're highlighting a pretty good team with a pretty darn good quarterback and, and, and a team that is hoping to, you know, stick around for a while. But I don't prefer it. You know, I don't prefer primetime for a couple of reasons. One, I want the team to do really, really well. And I think being at home all the time at 1 o'clock or even when you're on the road at 1 o'clock, Sunday 1 or Sunday at 4, um, you play on Thanksgiving again this year. I'll get to that game in a minute against New Orleans. But, you know, when the Bills played against Dallas, you know, that was a 425 game. They got done with the game. They were back in Buffalo by, you know, 11 o'clock midnight that night, right? So um, there's a lot of, um, you know, primetime opportunities that don't allow for that to happen. Plus, when you play on a Thursday, you automatically get those, you know, you get Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and they don't play again, you know, until the lap around, until that following Sunday in most cases. So, um, you know, those are doable. But for the most part, I'm just, I'm a bigger fan of, the one o'clock games on Sunday. Cause I want the team to do well and coaches, players, et cetera. They like, you know, they're creatures of habit. A lot of the players do like the prime time. Cause they want to showcase. They want to show off, you know, guys like Allen and Diggs. I'm sure love the prime time. Uh, many guys are just like, Hey, we'll play anytime, anywhere, whatever. Um, you know, we're, we're getting after it and working as, as hard during a non prime time week, you know, as we are a prime time week type of a thing. They, they, so some of them, you know, some of the players, it just doesn't matter. Um, and then for selfish reasons for me, uh, you know, one o'clock games with the way life is now with a little one, <laughs> it's, it's perfect, you know, cause usually, uh, my little one, as I record this just hit 17 months yesterday and, you know, she's back into a good solid napping pattern, but just one nap a day, you know, you close the gap a little bit, you go from two to one and, uh, the, 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 the nap now comes in and around 1230, one o'clock type of a thing. So she sleeps all the way until halftime or beyond, you know, that 2.33, 3.30 window. She gets up. We get her going. It's in the fourth quarter. I usually got the bottle, feeding her. The game's coming to a close. She's up and ready and playing, and then the bills are done at 4.15, you know. And then I, and then I you know, I just buckle up for the day personally and professionally. I do some videos, and that's another thing. Working in the media – one o'clock games are perfect because you can do all of your post stuff. I don't care what you do these days. I don't care if you're doing three, four podcasts a week. I don't care if you're a part of a network. I don't care if you're on TV. I don't care if you're a writer. I don't care if you're all of that stuff. Uh, if you're a radio host, whatever the case may be, post game host. Don't you like doing a lot of post game work between like 425 and 430 and like eight o'clock at night instead of doing it at like three in the morning? And for me, like, I don't necessarily do a lot of post-game stuff uh, because it is so late. I'll wait and I'll do, you know, some videos or whatever. Uh, I'll do some pre-game. I'll do some halftime. And then I'll, I'll do the post stuff, you know, maybe the next morning when I get a little bit more time. And it's, you know, a, a lot, um, you know, a, a lot easier to make noise, so to speak, recording videos. But, you know, I just like, I think the 1 o'clock, you know, Sunday game, it's just a perfect, perfect, perfect spot. Um, really in, in, in every way possible. I think the team, they're creatures of habit. 
from a selfish standpoint, both personally and professionally, I like it better at one o'clock. And I do know that a lot of the people who cover the Bills, you know, on the beat and and side beats and all the rest, from Joe Biscaglia and Matt Fairburn and Perino and uh, Ryan Talbot, all these guys do such an amazing job. One one thing that does stink is when the Bills play at one o'clock. You, you're missing all the other NFL action for the most part until probably Sunday night football. You get around maybe like at halftime of that game to maybe check some highlights, read some storylines, maybe read some out-of-market stuff for next week. Uh, you know, who, what happened in what game, the Bills' next opponent, did they play, did they win, did they lose, how'd they fare, any injury. I mean, there's so much that goes into covering uh, the NFL and, and, and beat guys. Yeah, I could see there being some frustration with 1 o'clock games. You know, where if the Bills played Sunday night football, you're watching football all day leading up to that game. Kids are in bed. You can watch it, and then you can do your work post. But then 3 o'clock rolls around, you're still working, 2, 3 in the morning. And then you got to get up probably at 6, 6, 37, your kid's getting up. So, it, you know, I, I could see one thing working. It's a give and take, right? One thing works out, and then the other thing doesn't, right? Like, you can't watch all the football if you're a Bills beat person. If the game's at 1 o'clock on Sunday, um. But when they're on late or they're on a Monday night football game, you could see all the Sunday games. You could focus in. You could buckle up. By the same token, you're working late. Throws off the schedule a little bit during the week. So, you know, everybody has their own thing. I think this schedule, though, is a really nice blend. Um, I do. Uh, You know, after week one, the Bills um, go at Miami. That's going to be a really tough game. I think the Dolphins and Jets and the Pats are all going to be significantly better uh, in this division. Um, so that'll be, that'll be a tough one. Then they have two more one o'clock games and they're both at home. That's at, uh, that's a Washington football team at home and Houston at home. Now Washington's defense led by Chase Young and company, and they're very, very well coaching Ron Rivera. They're really good. Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm now, a quarterback. Again, I think that's just a bandaid for this football team. They've got to at some point, and trust me, all of us as Bills fans know how hard it is, you know, to find that quarterback, uh, you know, in terms of the franchise label. But, um, you know, they really need to go find one. They, they, they do. They have to. Um, this should still be a win at home. You know, the Bills starting out, Pittsburgh at Miami, Washington at home, and then Houston at home before the biggie on Sunday Night Football at the Chiefs. The, the the bills the bills need to start the year I think three and one possibly four and0 oh. um, you got three home games out of the shoot you're better than Pittsburgh I mean you're better than all these teams uh you should be able to get after the quarterback big time in every spot you should be able to create some turnovers and I don't see any which way outside of Washington well Pittsburgh's pass rush led by TJ Watt and company I can I could see them giving Josh Allen some trouble but the bills and again, every year is different, but the Bills, you know, know that defense and, and know everything that's going on, um, you know, should still offensively be able to put up points against anybody in this league. Um, and I think that, you know what, it's one of those things, it's one of those things where the Bills you look at the schedule and the days of, and we even did it, we even did it uh, uh, last year to a degree 
oh, man, got the Chiefs. Ooh, we got the Titans. Isn't it crazy you have them back-to-back again this year? Um, oh, man, that opponent. Ooh, that team's going to be tough. Ooh, how are they going to stay? Well, it, the tables are turned on that, right? Like, you could you could go with the Bills and say, geez, you got to – man, you got to deal with the Titans. You got to deal with the Bucks. You got to do – okay. You got to go and play in the Superdome. You got to – the Bills were one of the top four teams in the NFL last year. You know, they're bringing back everybody, including the franchise quarterback. They're in a really, really good spot. Now, will it be difficult? Absolutely. Uh, can the Bills win 12, 13 games again? Sure. I mean, there's 17 games a season. It's going to be hard, but you don't look at any team in the NFL, any of them, except maybe Kansas City. To a degree, I think Tampa, again, they're going to have the target on their back last year. All the rest, ones that finally run out for Tom Brady. Really, the only team for me that, that really, really strikes fear is, is Kansas City. And, and if you had to play them just because always they're a pain in the butt, Baltimore. The Bills beat them in the playoffs last year. I think the Colts are going to be really good. The Bills have them on the schedule. We'll get to that in a minute. But, you know, this schedule is 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 – is is really good. It's uh, I think when you look at the mix of one o'clock games, uh, easy easier competition, harder competition, uh, prime time, da da da. You got it all in this schedule, right? But I think right out of the gate, I think you got Pittsburgh, Miami, at Miami, Washington, and Houston. Three of the first four games are at home. It's going to be crazy. The Bills are going to want to get out to a really, really great start. It's an opportunity before you hit prime time, before you hit, you know, two Super Bowl contenders in, ten, in Kansas City and Tennessee, both on the road, right? I mean, you think about that in October. And that's, by the way, before a week seven bye, which is very early, which that's one part of the schedule I don't like. I wish Buffalo had like a week nine or ten bye. But neither here nor there, you you, you can get done with the back-to-back prime timers and you got four straight one o'clock games again, Right. Chiefs, Titans, before that, before two road games, two contenders, two primetime games, start the year 3-1, and 4-0, and oh, right? Four and, because for me, if they could go 4-0 and oh, and then split with KC and Tennessee and go into Miami at home should be a win, at Jacksonville, at the Jets, the Colts at home, all of those for the most part, even though all those teams are going to be vastly improved, uh, especially, I think, the Colts, Jets, and Dolphins. I think the Jags, you know, I think Trevor Lawrence can instantly come in and, and give them some major, major playing time. And, um, you know, I think Jacksonville is relevant again. you got Urban Meyer. you got uh, Travis Etienne there. You've got uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, they kind of they matter again, you know, and that was the key. That was, that was what ownership wanted to do, not just getting – uh, Trevor Lawrence, a generational type guy, but making that big splash with Urban Meyer, I don't know if he will work in the NFL. Uh, if I had to guess, I would say no, because I think he's going to have a hard time losing. I think they're going to lose in the first year. It's going to be a lot of growing pains. The Bills should still win that game. They should win all four of those. Now, you know, they won a bunch of games in a row last year. It's easy to say, well, they're better than all those teams, so win them all. They're going to win-loss, win-loss, loss, win, win-loss. And I, and I hate doing that on an NFL schedule because so many things can change. Teams can get better and worse and injuries and all the stuff in between. But there is a very, very realistic 
situation that by Thanksgiving, right, this team will have played um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games, right? Eight and two. Could they go nine and one? They could. It'd be hard. But like I'm looking at Thanksgiving as being eight and two. Now maybe you slip up and lose a home game against the Dolphins, but then you go on the road and beat Tennessee. Hell, maybe you beat Kansas City and Tennessee at home on the road and you lose a, a late game to a field goal or something like that to the Colts or the Jets knock you off or something like that. Either way I look at it, if they're eight and two on Thanksgiving, I think things are gonna be pointing really, really in the right direction. Kansas City's gonna be really good again this year. I mean, their offensive line last year, it was decimated. You know, they had the injuries. They were missing some major pieces, including Eric Fisher. You know, in that Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes was running for his life. I actually thought Mahomes played fairly well, considering how much he was chased. But when you think about this, with how good Brett Veach is as a general manager, you know, last year and the year before, he's actually better now because look what he's done. You know, you trade for Orlando Brown, you go get Joe Tooney, they revamp their entire O-line, it's going to be better, and they bring back all the pieces except pretty much Sammy Watkins. I mean, they're going to be unbelievable. You know, they're the favorites, obviously, in the AFC again. There's no doubt. But I think if you can go 4-0 to start the year, 3-1 at worst, you know, split those two games with the Chiefs and Titans, perhaps. You know, you're in that 5-1 and one territory. You get the bye. Then you have four straight 1 o'clock games. 11th game of the year, you play against the Saints. No Drew Brees. Still going to be a really tough game. Road game. Well-coached. Thanksgiving, primetime, pressure. Uh, then you come home for primetime against the Pats. That's an 8-15 Monday nighter. Then you got the Sunday game late in the day, 425 CBS. That'll be an amazing, amazing, amazing game with the Bills and the Bucks. And of course, that'll be a Nance Romo game. And then you've got a TBA situation for Carolina on it's it might be a Sunday or Saturday or Sunday. Um, you know, depending on flexes and all the rest, but Carolina comes up. We'll know a lot about Carolina's future as well at that point, right, with with Matt Rule and company and how is Sam Darnold there and is he going to be the guy of the future. Then the Bills go at New England, Atlanta at home, Jets at home, and those are all 1 o'clock games to round it out. The Bills, I think, have good stretches of 1 o'clock games in the exact right spots beginning, middle, and end. Uh, you hope, I think, when you close the year that none of those games will get flexed. I, I, I think the Falcons, the Falcons should be decent this year, but we don't know what that new, you know, regime and the head coach and Arthur Smith and all the rest. They got Kyle Pitts in the draft, and uh, you know, obviously, you know, we're looking at possible fire sale if they start out really, really bad. That could be a Falcon team that really doesn't have any pieces. You know, besides Pitts by week 17, who knows? Or it could completely, you know, surprise many of us, right? And you know, we know Julio Jones, as I record this, and he wants out. So we'll see what happens, you know? We'll see what happens. But I, I think this schedule is is really, um, I think it's favorable. It's a, it's a, it's a um, you know, a great blend of all the things I talked about earlier. And one thing that you have to love if you're a Bills fan, 
you have to love. The Bills don't get any team, right? They don't get any team coming off of a bye week. In other words, two weeks of full rest leading up to the Bills. Two weeks of full preparing before their game with the Buffalo Bills. I have that. You know, that's a great thing for the Bills. You know, that means that there's going to be a lot of uh, games where teams don't have the extra prep and you've got you got I think I think you have you know a lot more to work with there um teams coming off of you know bye weeks and all that it, it, it's it's it, it's really I mean that there is there is something that goes into that I mean really and you know for buffalo you know you hope this year because you know the coronavirus you know we're hopefully is you know, behind us and all the things that went into it uh, are behind us. I know that there will be questions. There will be players challenging, you know, whether they are going to get vaccinated or not. Um, There's going to be some things inside the walls that are going to be a little bit challenging. But as far as the day-to-day operations, I mean, it should be all systems go by the time September rolls around. We should be at 100%. There is no excuse, okay? There is no excuse at the very latest on July 1st why we aren't at 100% capacity for everything. The numbers are dwindling down to basically just helter-skelter percentages. Um, Most... People are are full bore back open in most states. Sporting events have brought back people. I mean, look at you know the Bruins Islanders atmosphere has been insane. I mean, the Stanley Cup playoffs, the atmospheres. I mean, they are kind of a little you know on another level. I mean, Carolina and Boston, those home games are just they're unbelievable. I mean, and, and all you can think of is oh my god, the NFL, the NFL, the NFL. If you're a football fan, I love hockey. The Stanley Cup playoffs are my favorite playoff no matter what. The Sabres are so bad, and it doesn't even matter for me because I just, I'm glued to them. I watch every, I mean, I, I barely turn on it. I don't watch the NBA. I refuse to. Um, and, and Major League Baseball is uh, okay. It's, I've lost a lot of interest. I'm sick of the analytics. Uh, too many walks, home runs, and strikeouts. Stanley Cup playoffs, I'm glued to every single night. And I keep thinking, oh my goodness, listen to this atmosphere, listen to this atmosphere. Can you imagine Bill's Mafia when they all come back? So um, pretty awesome, you know, but we should be back all the way. You know, teams want to run training camps, fans should be allowed, right? Like proof, proof of vaccination, like here it is, here's my card, like I'm vaccinated, boom, I got my two shots, like let's go, man. You know, like open up the bathrooms, open up this, open up that, like let's go, you know, like we can start shaking people's hands again and again and hugging people again and, you know, limiting the zoom, you know, and starting to go out to lunch together again and meet face to face with each other. It should be all systems go in the NFL. Same thing, you know, same thing with, with this league, same thing with the day to day football operations and all the rest, same thing in the facilities, right? Every day back to normal. Let's go. Uh, before I sign off, 
Field Yates, the fantastic uh, NFL insider for ESPN, had tweeted out that the Bills converted $11,718,333 of Stephon Diggs' base salary into a signing bonus, which creates just over uh, $7.8 million in 2021 cap space. That's a good chunk of cap space for the Buffalo to, uh, for Buffalo to work with as the season draws closer. There are guys, you know, the Bills want to work with in bringing people in, you know, on a low budget. The first thing I think of, and this is a great deal for all parties involved because, you know, Diggs gets that splash of bonus money all at once. It's enticing. Uh, the Bills save a lot of money. Diggs is buying in to obviously everything that they're doing. This also, if they're agreeing like this, I mean, if they're agreeing on something like this, this quickly, this easily, I think that really bodes well down the road for when they have to start to restructure some of Diggs' other you know, years on the contract, right? And we know Diggs is the key piece of the offense in terms of, you know, just right after Allen because – you know, look at what the offense did last year by adding Stephon Diggs, right? If they didn't have Stephon Diggs, they, you know, Allen probably still would have put up pretty good numbers, but they wouldn't have done what they did without Diggs. I mean, Diggs was the the key pickup, whether it was free agency or trade or draft or whatever. He was the key piece in the NFL, in my opinion. Him going to Buffalo, the way the offense changed, etc. His chemistry with Josh Allen uh, on an immediate basis was huge. You know, it was huge. But this is a big deal because the first thing I think of is Zach Ertz. I think of a player like Zach Ertz. I would have loved to have seen the Bills sign Hunter Henry. Uh, and I know Henry, he, he, was, he was a little expensive. He's on the Pats now. I get it. Um, but I think he would have been an unbelievable fit in Dable's offense. Security blanket plus a red zone target. I think he would have, I think he just, I, I think he would have had a career year in Buffalo. Just Great place to be. Uh, but you know what? The Bills, they seem to be, for the most part, pretty happy with Dawson Knox and having some confidence in him. But if you get Ertz, obviously it just adds to the you know entire depth. Uh, it improves the position immensely. His value... Um, I've read multiple reports, but, you know, his cap value, his cap cost, I should say, is, you know, in that seven, seven and a half million, you know, type range. And, and I hear a lot of people get so dramatic about the salary cap, by the way. And yeah, is it there? Sure. Uh, is it something to look at if you're paying your quarterback 35, 40 million? Sure. But you can always find, whether you like it or not, you can always find, you know, you could always find money somewhere, you know. I mean, you, you all you have to do is cut somebody, right? It's like, oh, what are we going to do if we need another $8 million to sign so-and-so? And it goes for any team, you know. But who cares? He's, I mean, he cut people. Now, what I will say is it's obviously not 
can, it's really not productive. Let's use the Bills as the example because it is, after all, Bills pod, podcast. If you really wanted J.J. Watt, the Bills could have broken the bank to get J.J. Watt. I'm glad they didn't, but let's say that they did do that. They could have done it. They could have pulled it off. People are like, oh, you can't bring in what's It's way too much against the cap. You couldn't have done it. Couldn't. They could have done it. But then you got to cut Mario Edison. And then you got to cut somebody else. And then you got to cut somebody else. And possibly, if you don't cut two or three people, you cut one. And then you can't bring back Feliciano or Williams or Milano. Um, so kind of, you know, two darts thrown at you there in that situation. I'm really, 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 really pumped that the Bills are bringing back everybody. I think it's awesome. I love cohesion. I love chemistry. I love, you know, this group riding it together. I love the fact that they're all bought in. And, you know, the Stefan Diggs news coming that I just mentioned, it just fits right into that puzzle. Um, but the salary cap, I guess, to a degree is a little overrated because you can always make room. You can always cut people. You know, the problem is if, you know, you make those cuts and you don't, you're not really, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't fit your team. It doesn't help your team. You want to bring somebody in, but then you got to, you can do it, but it's, yeah, but we got to part with these guys. So is it worth it? And, and then you got to come in, in the middle somewhere. You got to figure that out. So uh, I'm super pumped for the season. Uh, I love the schedule. I really do. I think it's going to be a fun, fun year. I got the Bills about 11 win, 11, 12 win team this year. I think they te- take a little bit of a step back um, in the win column. I don't think they're going to win 13 again, 13 and four. Remember, it's a 17 game schedule. I don't see that happening 13 again. It could happen. It could, but I don't see it. I think they'll win the division, but I think they're going to have a lot of people coming at them. Dolphins better, Jets better, Colts better, right? AFC across the board, a powerhouse. The Chiefs are the favorites. Ravens are there. Ravens made great moves in the offseason, as did Casey. Tennessee's going to be super tough. You know, Chargers are going to be immensely better. And some of those teams I mentioned aren't on the Bills' schedule, but they're contenders for wild cards and division championships. So fun times ahead. Steelers at Dolphins, Washington football team, Houston at KC, at Tennessee, bye. Miami at Jacksonville, at New York Jets, Indianapolis Colts at the Saints, Patriots at home at the Bucks, Panthers at Pats, Falcons, and New York Jets. That is your 2021 Buffalo Bills schedule. I'm Mike Lindsley. You've been listening to the Bills Brawl. Thanks so much, Bills Mafia. Make sure you follow us across the board at Mike L Sports, at Bills Brawl, and at Network Brawl, all a part of the Brawl Network. And as I always tell you, enjoy the games.
As a social worker, you can become an advocate for those who can't. Earn your master's in social work degree online to learn strategies to connect diverse populations with the critical resources they need to improve their well-being, whether it's in a hospital, community service agency, or another setting. What do you think making a difference as a social worker looks like? GCU offers over 240 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. Learn the art of filmmaking with Spike Lee or how to bring your creative vision to life with Issa Rae. Try songwriting with Alicia Keys and cooking with Gordon Ramsay. The possibilities are endless. With over 100 world-class instructors ready to teach you, that thing you always wanted to do is closer than you think. Get 15% off your annual membership today at masterclass.com slash save. That's masterclass.com slash save. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.